Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. A podcast looking back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. I'm Heather. And I'm Jonathan. And we are your co-hosts. This podcast is part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network. Hey friends, it's Heather here. Welcome to the third season of the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. And Jonathan Brown is my new co-host. Super excited to have him on. Very excited to have y'all learning from him. He's a theology nerd, a Star Wars nerd, and it sounds like somebody that would really connect with people who really just love to nerd out on those things. So Jonathan, welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. It's great that you are officially here as my co-host. So, Yes. Yeah, thank you. I mean, yeah. I'm really excited about you know what, what we're able to discuss and, and cover together. Um, yeah, for our, our, our first installment here, um, Heather's actually going to be talking about um, kind of the the intertestamental period, the you know the yeah. the Greek Hellenization um, of the the Near East. Yeah, absolutely. So we're we're starting a fun series here. You guys are going to learn a ton. We're learning right there with you. It's going to be really fun. But so we decided to kick off week one, as Jonathan said, with what is Greek Hellenism. So Greek Hellenism really shaped the landscape of the Jewish world prior to the first century before Jesus steps onto the scene. So I was reading this week, Jonathan, that Greek Hellenism was um, started by a guy named Alexander the Great who came to rule, and he ruled for a very short time, only like 13 years. Dude didn't rule for very long, but he expanded his empire all the way from Macedonia into India, and it changed the the known world at the time. Um, It uh, initiated the Hellenistic period, which was from... 323 BC, uh, BCE, excuse me, until about 32 BCE. And then eventually Rome would conquer all of those lands. And that's who was in ownership of, for example, uh, Jerusalem at the time of Jesus, right? Um, and so, but, bef- but shortly after his death, his kingdom was divided um, into a few other different dynasties within uh, the Greek world. Uh, a couple of those were the, the Ptolemies and also the Seleucids. And those two groups just happened to rule kind of back and forth over um, Palestine uh, for those years leading up to the time where Rome started to take control. And so um, in the summer of 32 BCE, uh, Palestine was conquered by Alexander the Great, and the land and the people of Israel now became a part of the Hellenistic world. And, and things were pretty good for a little bit. Um, they got to kind of practice, you know, their Judaism for a bit. And then things drastically changed when the Seleucids took control of Judea around 198 BCE. And a man named Antiochus III gained control. And his goal was to forcibly convert the region to the Greek way of life, culture, religion. And because of that pressure, most Jews conceded. Um, in fact, he built a gymnasium right outside the temple and... Um, Greek men were required to enter the gymnasium naked, which went completely against Jewish law. However, um, Jews, many of the Jews conceded simply because of the pressure that was put on them uh, by the Greek world. There was a small uprising over this, and Antiochus got a little bit salty over that because, well, leaders usually like power, right? And so um, it made things worse for the Jews. He ended up defiling the temple. He erected an idol on the altar, and he outlawed circumcision, and he outlawed the Sabbath, 
which were two of the main ways that the Jews distinguished themselves between other nations. And so it was a really dark time uh, for the nation of Israel. It, things didn't look good, uh, yet some remained faithful despite the pressure to conform and give in. In fact, that's where the Maccabees come in, which Jonathan is going to be talking about next week uh, as they help kind of right the ship and bring things back into um, the Jewish way of life for the Jewish people in light of practicing their faith in Yahweh and the one true God. And so as we kind of set up this conversation this week on what is Greek Hellenism, and as we think of that in light of as a youth ministry leader, and we're constantly dealing with students who are being pushed and pulled and dragged by the culture that says, conform, do what we say. And, and quite frankly, I think it's even more difficult. And I'd love to see what you would say about this, Jonathan. I think it's even more difficult for teenagers in today's world as it was of say 20 years ago prior to a smartphone coming in and, and there's all these voices who are influencing them yet they are not voices of truth nor voices of wisdom or voices of reason but they're voices of their own opinion they're voices of deception and lies that sound really good and convincing um, yet are completely antithetical to the biblical worldview and it's it's a Hellenistic type of mindset that as, as Greek Hellenism was all about the body. It was all about worshiping oneself. It was about affluence and, and looking good to other people. They worshiped many gods. It wasn't a religion of sacrifice, nor one of putting somebody else first or one of modesty for that matter. It was one of look at me, look at me, look at me. And isn't that such the culture that is so powerfully pressing against not just us as adults, but even those teenagers whom we are seeking to love and to care for. And so I was thinking that, you know, a way that we can encourage a youth leader is to stay faithful, um, to love teenagers in the midst of the reality, knowing that the culture is pulling them hard, but you have an opportunity to be faithful just as those Jews were faithful during those that time of Greek Hellenism, um, to stay faithful to what God says, right? Like, hey, you know, sure, everybody says, go out, drink, party, have sex, do that kind of thing. Just like everybody said, hey, men, go to the gymnasium by the temple, but you got to go naked, it's fine, but it totally goes against the Torah. And I'm sure some men said, no, I, I won't do this. And um, and God, I'm sure, bless them in the end for it, although they may have lo- lose something uh, on this side of heaven. Um, so... Yeah, so any thoughts about Greek Hellenism from you or ways that you would encourage somebody in today's world to not fall into kind of the same woes of Greek Hellenism in the 21st century? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot uh, to unpack there. Um, I think, it, you know, we can get through um, a, a lot of things in this series now that we're doing on it um, to touch on different points of it. But one of the things that I'm reminded of is maybe 15 years or so ago, uh, I heard a, a, a teaching from Dr. Michael Brown, uh, who's a Messianic Jewish scholar, and mm-hmm. uh, he he was giving a is it a, a youth conference actually that he was speaking to, and he was talking about you know this is the generation of the of the i of the iPod and MySpace, right? And he's like you're marketed <laughs> to in such a way that it's all about me, right? Yeah. It's it's self centered marketing because it sells. Um, and that's, and I think we've taken it, especially in the West, especially in America, we've taken our individualism to such an extreme that we've mm. ironically lost a sense of identity because yeah. 
you know, mankind wasn't created to simply be alone. In fact, the very first deficiency ever found mm-hmm. in humanity in the garden before the fall was being alone. Right. right. We are supposed to be known in fellowship, in community, you know, in and among each other. And so how identity plays into, you know, the, the, the sense of community and self that is self, but in fellowship with others, um, is, I think, a really big struggle for this current generation. And like you said, the influences that it has and how, you know, people today, especially, you know, this young up and coming generation interacts with others. Um, and in this, you know, if we want to call it the, the post-pandemic world, where everybody was basically just shut indoors for a couple of years, and the psychological impacts of that, um, and we don't even know yet what all the, you know, the kind of the, the far-reaching um, effects that that'll have. But yeah, we definitely see um, that same sort of push, that same sort of pressure. I mean, every generation has had peer pressure, right? Sure. Um, but I think one yeah. of the things that makes it in in our day and age a little bit more challenging and how it kind of reflects that Hellenistic period is mm. just how much pressure there is to do the thing that is largely socially acceptable or even socially sure. praised that is itself also contrary to scripture. And once you start, and the thing is, is that what Alexander the Great tried to do, and this is true in the book of Daniel as well, when Daniel and the Jews were deported for, to um Babylon, right? And what was the first thing they did? They gave them different names and they tried to culture um, steep them in the way of life of the Babylonian world to try to get the Jewish culture out of them. And so the way that you slowly change a culture to get them to believe a lie is you just steep them in a culture that's different from the one they've always known, right? And and that's what what, um, I feel like you know, when we were kids, when we picked up a phone, we had to actually call a landline. <laughs> you know, their parents might answer and and then our mom and dad could listen to what we were saying. And in today's world, a kid can pick up a phone and, and FaceTime with somebody that they don't even know across the world. And so there's no parental guidance. There's not the wisdom of the elders speaking into that child when they're sending that text message to another teenager who... Um, doesn't have the wisdom or ability to understand and know how to properly process or deal with another angry teen texting them. And so I think, you know, when, when we um, look at that, we were up against the difficulty of a culture that has a strong grasp and it's trying to change the hearts and minds of a young person to, to continue to speak deception and our job, our role on a lot of levels is to be the voice of truth, even when it's the unpopular opinion and even when it feels weird, right? Like, I think we talked about this in the show that just released a few weeks ago that when I went through a swing change with my golf swing in college, it felt weird and awkward, but it was right. But I'd known a certain way of swinging the golf club for a long time and that felt right, but it was wrong. And and kids grow up thinking, well, this is right. This is how I'm supposed to view the world. And it's in reality, it's it's wrong, and it's hurtful, and it's harmful, and it's not beneficial to the to the kingdom. And so, um, you know, what are some maybe some last thoughts that we could leave youth leaders with to encourage them to um, the way of the cross and the way of Christ as they uh, love young people, as they try to understand how to help them combat the world of Greek Hellenism? Well, I, I think one of the, 
the biggest things is what in, in scholarly circles has been come to be termed as cruciformity, right? Being shaped mm. or formed by the cross, right? Which is yeah. itself selflessness, mm-hmm. right? And and how do you make someone be selfless, right? It's almost a, a contradiction in terms. Um, selflessness is a choice, um, mm-hmm. but it's so much so that today it's it's not being praised, right? What's being praised is you know, well, I'll do you know, I'll do me, you do you. Oh right? yeah. But I think for for youth leaders, ministry leaders in general, especially, is setting the example of what selflessness looks like. Mm-hmm. Right? What does it look like to serve mm-hmm. others and and put the needs of others first? To set the That's example, good. because you have this whole up and coming generation that they can hear and be told, well, you need to serve others, you need to serve others, but but what does it look like? Yeah. Right? That's really good. That's a great th- ending thought, actually, because we not, might not be able to change every belief that they have, and we're not supposed to do that. I don't think that's our job, uh, because there's different beliefs sometimes, and, and that's okay. Um, some of them are, are going to be different, but what we can do is we can show them how to be selfless and how to serve and how to put others first and how to not think so highly of ourselves because that's what draws people to us is an authentic self who is not about self, but about other people. And um, if we can keep that part of, as I think you said, cruciformity, that's a $5 word right there. (laughs) Maybe we can uh, fight against the Greek Hellenism of our world today. So, friends, this has been a really fun conversation. And, um, man, we're going to have a great conversation next week about the Maccabees. Um, So some more conversation about uh, some friends of ours in the intertestamental period who brought down the hammer. Woo! It's going to be good. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, indeed. Well, friends, thanks for joining us for this episode. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.